You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. What if Gandalf the Grey never returned as Gandalf the White? He never returned from fighting Balrog. And what if Captain America came to Middle-earth exactly at that time? This is going to be a two-parter what if episode. Once a month, we always do these what ifs. We let our followers on our Facebook group, Priest of the Geeks, vote once a month on what what if question they would like us to answer. And I missed one. I missed last month's what if Gandalf never returned from fighting the Balrog. And then this month, you guys voted what if Captain America came to Middle Earth? And we said, you know what? Let's just smash these together because they can fit. Maybe, maybe the reason Gandalf doesn't return is because Eru plucked Steve Rogers out of another dimension and put him right there in Arda. That's what we're going to talk about today. So buckle up. We are Systematic Geekology, the priest to the geeks. I am Joshua Knoll, one of your co-hosts, a big Tolkien fan, but nowhere near as much as as Nick the Wise. <laughs> Nick, Ooh, I don't know about How's it going? <laughs> I'm good, man. I don't know if wise is a befitting title for me, but uh, I mean, you're you. I, I think one of my favorite Nick things the epic. about a real the epic, I'll take epic. Um, <laughs> Why is too much one. epic? Uh, yeah, I'll take epic. Uh, you know, I, I just love that we are uh, big Tolkien nerds. Like, I feel like it's, it's you and me <laughs> in this in this crowd. Yeah. So, but I'm doing yeah. good, man. It's great for me because I'm like, I know enough to be dangerous. And then, you know, enough to like make it make sense and be like, well, actually, okay, I guess we can make that work. (laughs) So that's where this is probably going to be a lot of that of me be like, okay, but what if this happened? Well, that couldn't work. But if we did this, it could work. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I recently we're talking about what we've been geeking out on. I've actually been really into the Indiana Jones stuff, getting ready for that new movie come up June 30th. The fifth movie comes out and I couldn't be more excited. I've seen each of the movies three times. Well, three times, except for Raiders of the Last Ark. I'm halfway through my third time watching it this month. (laughs) So I've just been binging them on repeat and loving it. I even watched the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and I have found stuff to love in it, even if it's my least favorite. (laughs) It's a fun one. You know, I have good memories of that because I saw it in theaters when it came out. And, you know, despite the the nonsense of nuclear fridge protection, uh, you know, it's a fun movie. <laughs> I need to get on it because I know they added yeah. it to Disney Plus. I need to get on it. Yeah, I have um, someone at a Comic-Con in Matthews when we were doing live podcast there. They pointed out to me that all the Indiana Jones are actually commentaries of the most popular types of film of that era. So that's why like the third one is a buddy film. The second one is like the young sidekick kind of thing. And that's why the fourth one is heavily sci-fi and stuff, because that was of that decade. Those were the big films. And I was like, so we watched it with that in mind. And I'm like, oh, OK, actually, I think they might be right. There might be some stuff here I missed. There is some crazy swinging going on. I still don't like Mutt as a character. But yeah, I feel justified because Harrison Ford was interviewed about him. He straight up he said, uh, Shia LaBeouf is uh, that kid is effing stupid, but he didn't say effing. <laughs> I love Harrison Ford. Yeah. I was like, man, Harrison Ford is just as real as it gets. Oh, man. So what, what have you been geeking out on before we jump in? So I recently watched the Netflix show um, Beef with Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong. And I've been a Stephen Yoon fan hmm. since The Walking Dead. I used to be a huge Walking Dead guy. And uh, he, that's where he got his start. And it's just amazing. Ten episodes on Netflix, 30 minutes apiece. Just beautiful acting. It's a dark comedy. It's existentially heavy, okay. but just a beautiful movie. Or, sorry, beautiful show. Sounds interesting. I never really got into Walking Dead. I know Will really loves it. Yeah. We should do an episode of that at some point. But I would love I have to, to check out that show, too, because the comedy really changes things for me. I like most things that are funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm also a big yeah. comedy guy. Yeah. So that sounds great. All right. Let's jump into we have a two parter and there's some wild what if scenarios. We're going to start with um, let's start with Gandalf and provide some background. Could you describe what is it that happens to Gandalf in the book that we're talking about when he fights the Balrog? What actually happens? You know, some of it's left out in the movie. And who actually is the Balrog? Is it just a Satan character? What's going on there? Yeah. So the Balrog is called Durin's Bane. 
And so Duren's Bane is a Balrog, one of many that was... Uh, so if you don't know, uh, there is a god in Middle-earth named Iluvatar, who then at the beginning of the creation of the universe creates beings called Ainur. And there's two levels. There are Valar, which are super powerful, and there's Maiar, who are like... Uh, so I say Valars are like uh, lower G gods, and then Maya are like archangels. And so Balrogs are corrupted archangels. Okay. So they're like demons. And Gandalf is also in the same uh, like being class. They're both Maya. So um, so anyway, so uh, Gandalf stayed with Iluvatar. And then the Satan character Melkor uh, recruited a bunch of Maya. And part of them became Balrogs. And so he's just one of many Balrogs decided to take residence in uh, in the Misty Mountains where uh, Moria is located. Yeah. So evil Archangel is the Balrog. Yeah. And then Gandalf is more good Archangel, maybe even the goodest Archangel. <laughs> yeah, definitely the goodest. <laughs> the goodest. I, I love Gandalf personally. Um, as, as far as things go, was your first interaction with Gandalf also in the movies or did you know about him before the movie? You know, it's interesting because I think my first my first ever interaction with anything Middle Earth was the animated 70s Hobbit film. So that's where I was first introduced to Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, it's funny to me because I uh, I obviously I watched the movies before I read the books. Same. We've talked some about that before. Yeah, I um I saw these movies after Star Wars. I was a big Star Wars geek first. Yeah. And I remember just as a kid, because a lot of stuff doesn't really like click to you that everything's not revolved around you, basically, you know? Right. (laughs) And I watched the first Star Wars or what to me was the first Star Wars, which is now episode four. So I watched Star Wars A New Hope and I was like, yeah, Obi-Wan, this is the cool old guy. I love him. This is my favorite character. And then he dies. (laughs) I was like, what the heck? So then I started watching Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, cool old guy. I love this guy. He's my favorite. And then he dies. <laughs> of course, he comes back in the second movie. But I, I was like, uh-huh. so that was the big thing to me is to me for a long time, Gandalf was basically Obi-Wan, but he gets to come back. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not just a blue uh, force spirit yeah. ghost. Yeah. 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 But then when you read the book, it's like, oh, there's a lot more here. So which I'm going to say some stuff and let you correct me if I need to be corrected. But my understanding, Gandalf and the Balrog fight for an extremely long time. Gandalf actually does die, I think, and mm-hmm. Eru plucks him basically out of death and replaces yep. him back. That's so right. it's not, oh, you thought he died, but he really won, which is kind of what the movie does. But it's actually more, no, he did die. <laughs> he just comes back. Yeah, that's right. And part of it, so we, for those who've seen the movies or read the books or both, that Gandalf starts off as Gandalf the Grey. The reasons for that is that in the year, so there, so in Middle Earth, there are different ages. So we've got the first age, second age, third age, fourth age. Everything in the Lord of the Rings takes place in the third age. So Gandalf and a bunch of wizards, including Saruman, Radagast, and then two of the blue wizards, um, they come by to organize people to fight against Sauron, essentially. And so Saruman, obviously in the movies, he becomes corrupted. He tries to trick Sauron, get the one ring change things and so um that's part of why iluvatar brings him back from the dead is that gandalf fights for the, with the balrog for days and then eventually gets to the peaks of the misty mountains which is just crazy from the the depths of the misty mountains all the way to the top and he kills the balrog but then dies and um so saruman's been corrupted and so Iluvatar basically strips Saruman of his title and his powers through Gandalf by giving him the authority and increased power that Saruman originally had because Saruman was the basically the lead wizard before Gandalf. Yeah, so basically, um, Eru Iluvatar strongly believes that uh, with great power comes great responsibility. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm pretty sure Gandalf could definitely uh, shoot some webs from, yeah, uh, yeah. from his wrists. Probably also lift Thor's hammer, perhaps. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, I think this aspect is really interesting. Something that people who only watch the movie kind of miss out on. Just that whole of Saruman, he still does end up getting power, but his power ends up coming from different places after this point. So he had mm-hmm. like 
Luvatar magic and basically now gets to I call it industrial magic almost like he's yeah. digging, he's tearing up the earth. He's using those things and it's a different form of magic, which is interesting. So a lot of those people who don't like Harry Potter, but like Lord of the Rings, like, well, you know, it's because this is bad magic. This is good magic. That's not the case. Lord of the Rings, there is both good and bad magic. <laughs> it's true. There are curses. There are tree magic. There's all kinds of different types of magic. I don't know them all at all, but I do just have this under like I do get and in the book, you even feel like the magic works different for Saruman after this point. Yeah. And Tolkien makes a distinction in a couple of his letters and things. He calls like proper magic, like the good magic enchanted enchantments, basically. So like the elves with the rings and making Lorien beautiful, that's enchantment. And then you've got Saruman who, and there are a lot of um Tolkien was a big language guy. And so a lot of the dialogue is also words are very connected to magic too. And people have done papers and stuff talking about how Gandalf sounds like a lot of what politicians sounded like in Tolkien's age. (laughs) And so Saruman is basically a manipulator, a liar with words. And so he's using true magic by you. So, and the reason is enchantment is like working alongside the world and Mm -hmm. magic that's Tolkien termed it was used as a means to an end, particularly to dominate those around yeah. them for their own means. And to make it more confusing, I, I feel like I remember reading in one of his letters, there's a difference between magic and witchcraft, but there's also good witchcraft and bad witchcraft. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that's not even the thing. Yeah. Cause and yeah. wizard really wasn't popular in the culture until, um, until Tolkien, of course, you know, just like with yeah. orcs and the spelling of dwarves and elves, because he was like, okay, witchcraft, because people were called witches, male and female. There wasn't distinguishing factors in the Middle Ages. It wasn't until later. And Gandalf, or sorry, and Tolkien obviously kind of fell into that and decided to just exclusively call the dudes wizards. Yeah. I mean, is what it is. Oh, yeah. I, um, <laughs> no, I'm, I am curious, though. Um, so when we're getting to the what if stuff, yeah. we'll start with part one. What if Gandalf didn't return? So if what we're saying is he strips Saruman of his title and power and gives it to Gandalf. If Gandalf doesn't return, does someone else get that title and power or does it just vanish? Man, that's a great question. I would assume that. So every, so another thing people talk about, Iluvatar basically his plans are going to come to fruition no matter what. So if it wasn't Gandalf, it'd yeah. be somebody. It'd be somebody. Uh-huh. Steve Rogers. It's no, 100% Steve Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah. So somebody would. Who, who would you pick? Who would you pick would get the, the title and power? Because if it's a title thing too, I imagine it has to be one of the other wizards. Yeah. And part of it is also that the wizards are there to organize people Um to work together to fight mm-hmm. Sauron, not single-handedly take on Sauron themselves. Cause they could do it. Um, yeah, but it, it, it risks them wanting to be like Sauron, hence Saruman. Right. So it would have to be somebody who, Oh man, didn't already have like, I don't know, you know, it, I'm trying to think cause it would be, would that power just yeah. go There's into somebody who chose gandalf <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it's yeah. very convenient that gandalf dies and he can kind of like reanimate him so yeah, i don't because i mean i'm thinking it. about it i would love to say radagast but i feel like it just doesn't make sense like radagast is too connected to nature in his spot like i feel like right. he's not going to be the one to make a big picture scene yeah i agree with that i don't know if it would be radagast either i think it would probably be someone like Aragorn, because I don't think it would be an elf like Glorfindel, because Tolkien... So you don't think it. it would be another wizard? You think he'd give the title to somebody else? Would that I mean, elevate them to wizard status? That's a... Man, I don't know, because... Treebeard. Of, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, part of Aragorn, he's a, he heals people, you know, in yeah. the Return of the King. And part of it is because he has Maya blood in him. So he's a descendant... That's true. ...of I forgot about Melian... That the Maya to a certain extent. And so that's why he's the only one who can heal with King's foil because of his ancestry. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I like think that. Was, I like that answer. I feel like that's the only one that really makes any sense 
even yeah. if it's just on a technicality. <laughs> yeah, it's just super technical. It was just Aragorn. And I don't, I mean, yeah, that's that's probably my yeah. pick. It would be Aragorn. Well, now that you brought up Aragorn, that gets me to another thing. Because a lot of people do this where they say that either Aragorn or Gandalf is the Christ figure, mm. which we know doesn't make sense if Sam's the main character, but whatever. But I kind of do see it with Gandalf. Because, you know, you can tell a story about Peter the Disciple. Sure, why not, right? I can see because Gandalf does die and come back and is sort of a savior to everybody. Like he does save everybody. So I can kind of see it. I still feel like it's a big stretch and maybe it's just his own character. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm stuck on this of why would you say Gandalf isn't a Christ figure? Assuming you don't think he is. If you do, just tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> so I think that there are elements of Christ-likeness in a lot of the characters in Lord of the Rings. And so even like we have Frodo, right, who sacrifices himself to take the ring. That's very Christ-like, right? People talk about that Aragorn, right? Mm -hmm. The return of the king, yeah. etc. And of course, Gandalf for his resurrection. And Tolkien actually got a letter from a fan that said he saw the three um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like metaphors for God or Christ, the priest prophet king and seeing yeah. them in those three characters specifically and tolkien basically said oh yeah i could see that but tolkien wasn't then <laughs> saying like oh yeah these were directly inspired like he just said oh yeah that that fits i just never looked at that way and so gandalf does and these characters do things that are like christ-like but they're not like a one-to-one -one allegory for christ if that makes yeah. sense yeah not like aslan <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, he's not yeah, a genius. This isn't a Narnia kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is Tolkien just did not really like allegory like that. Mm -hmm. But what, what I find interesting, though, is Tolkien, especially in the kids' letters and stuff, how like open he is to his story being more than what he made it. Like he's just open to it being bigger than himself. A hundred percent. And when people would write him, they'd be like, I had this intuition. And he would be like, oh, yeah, totally. Or he'd be like, <laughs> even with the ant wives, when people asked him, he was like, I don't really know. And you're like, you don't know? And he's like, no. <laughs> that drives me crazy, by the way. That was like our Arbor Day thing. It already went too long. But I, I almost went on my whole like, Tolkien doesn't even know what happened to them. I right. hate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, okay, so, so we're going with all this. If there's Christ-like things, but it's not necessarily meant as an allegory, because Tolkien doesn't really like allegory. I think we're that opens it up a little bit. We're not having to pick someone who can play the role of Jesus, basically. We're exactly. able to pick whoever but for the story to work out because without gandalf if he just doesn't do anything um they all die <laughs> the battle of elms deep well and think about it, he's That's the it. one who basically saves theoden from saruman's grasp yeah. who else is going to do that no one can save theoden um the battle itself no one's bringing in reinforcements like they they just lose without the other battles to distract then they capture frodo and sam Story over, Saruman and Sauron fight it out. One of them wins. The forces of evil prevail. <laughs> right. Faramir dies. The Witch King takes over Minas Tirith. Like, it's, there's just so many yeah. things that go yeah. wrong. Now, if we're to assume, though, that Iluvatar brings someone else back from the dead. So he's already made Aragorn, given him the title and stuff. He still has to take someone else from the dead. It cannot be a human because they don't go to the afterlife, which name I forgot again. What was uh, that again? The Hall of Mandos. Hall of Mandos. Yeah, since humans don't go, it basically limits it to like a lot of the elves, and most of them don't make a lot of sense because they are not, they're really peaceful, you know, which is good, but maybe not great to bring in the middle of battle right now. Like we need someone who's war ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a listener give us a theory or hypothesis that we're going to talk about for a little bit of because Gimli does have some relation to Durin and he found the axe of somebody that you remember. And I don't, it is a uh, from the Hobbit. It is Balin's axe. Who is a descent, who is yeah. also a descendant of Durin. Yeah. So the, the theory being he could then choose to bring back Gimli who would then be during the seventh re revamping the title during the death list because well, he came back from the dead. So why wouldn't you just call him during the deathless again? Yeah. <laughs> and Gimli could end up kind of playing that figure who is war ready. He knows what to do. He could bring in the reinforcements and all of that. Maybe the reinforcements would have been the other dwarves. Even that could have been interesting. <laughs> 
How do we feel about this hypothesis? It, this is the thing, and this we're gonna get technical because I'm gonna get nerdy like that. Is Perfect. that <laughs> the Durin? In order for Durin to happen, it has to be a descendant, and they also have to be in like exact likeness to the previous uh, incarnations of Durin, because they basically believe in a reincarnation is what happens. And so the fact that Gimli is named Gimli and is already a, a an adult dwarf, he would then have to either Iluvatar would then have to change his entire makeup and like call him during the Deathless. It would have to be an entire act of Iluvatar, or he would have to die and then be born as a baby and raised as during the Deathless. <laughs> and then you've got years of uh, you know, yeah, it might that be too like late an issue. I like that he just redoes what he looks like when he brings it back. I mean, Gandalf the White, I mean, he, he did look a lot like Gandalf the Grey, but he did change his appearance when right. he brought him back. Yeah, so it's, it's true. It seems possible. <laughs> and that was a pure act of Iluvatar. I mean, and even too, the only yeah. uh, human who came back from the hall, like from death, was Baron from Beren and Luthien in the Silmarillion. And that was only because Iluvatar was like, I'm going to break the rules <laughs> a little bit. So he could do it with Gimli. Yeah, that's true. So let's. What if he does? What if he he brought Gimli back <laughs> during the Deathless again? <laughs> what changes as far as like the story where instead of Gandalf doing all of what Gandalf did <laughs> during the Deathless, aka Gimli, does some of those same things? What would change? So that man, now we're think, thinking of it like we had talked a little bit about Josh and I had talked a little bit about this off screen before we were recording, but it would really change the trajectory of the history of Middle Earth entirely because Tolkien mm. saw Middle Earth as connected to our own world as a world in decline. And so elves mm. fade and dwarves fade because they're kind of these mythical, you know, kind of humanoid species right in, in traditional folklore and so i think that bringing gimli to the forefront would bring the dwarves more into the story which they're they already are in the background right they 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 along with the elves fight uh in uh during uh, some of sauron's forces yeah you know that sort of thing is happening but it would make Gimli like a leader and a uniter. So it would almost make him like a king. I would say it would put him in the same, and maybe beyond Aragorn and yeah. like Theoden and Aemer. It'd be just so interesting. Yeah. I mean, what's weird too is because like in this scenario, you already established that the, the title and power Aragorn's getting. Right. So it's kind of like, I mean, I'm even just going back like in that scenario, I think Aragorn could have cured Theoden, maybe. So I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I could see that. And then they might just have been doing better at the Battle of Helm's Deep anyway. I still think they would have needed the reinforcements. Yeah, it would have it to, would somebody else would different. have to go find him. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, too? Because like Gandalf goes back, you know, to uh, assumably uh, Valinor, you know, at the end because his yeah. task is done. So would Gimli go back to Valinor or would he stay and rule as Durin <laughs> the Deathless? See, that's the thing. That's why I feel like that's why it had to be Gandalf because I feel like Gimli would be, I love Gimli. Don't, don't take this as me talking smack about Gimli, but I feel like Gimli would be more tempted to stay. Yeah. I, Although I it is possible just because of his friendship with, um, Man, why is my brain just not coming up with Legolas? His friendship with Legolas. I could see him wanting to more or less Legolas nudging him into kind of going ahead and leaving. But wait a second. Gimli and Legolas sail into the West too. So Gimli technically goes back. I forgot about that. So like, does it even matter? Or I mean, it obviously does matter, (laughs) but like, because he already goes back. Yeah. So he could... I mean, I guess that ending could just be the same. And then you just have Aragorn the White ruling Gondor at the yeah. end. Aragorn the White ruling Gondor. Yeah, he's just taking everything. Sorry, that's just funny. Like, in my mind, like, I don't know if his hair changes, but his eyes are glowing for some reason. Because he just <laughs> well, yeah, has literally yeah. all the power. Yeah. It's just Then I think Aragorn might be a Christ figure. <laughs> yeah. Then the Return of the King thing gets a little too close for home. 
You brought up uh, glowing eyes, and I recently have started a rewatch of Dragon Ball. And uh, every time Master Roshi <laughs> looks at people, particularly beautiful girls, his sunglasses shine. And I just imagine Gandalf or as looking yes. like Master Roshi. And uh, sorry, like, I just had to let that go. Like. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so so now we're gonna we're gonna go to part two of our what if. So we're gonna rewind a little bit. Instead of Gimli coming back as during the death list because <laughs> let's just say that Iluvatar decided that that's a little bit too much of a stretch if he's not bringing back Gandalf he's already gave the power and title to Aragorn or maybe he doesn't I'll let you I'll let you decide that one he could do that or maybe since he's already decided for some reason he's like I know this other universe I'm gonna pluck this guy Steve Rogers out and bring him in I think that Steve Rogers since he has known my uh, blood still can't get the title and power. So I think that still has to yeah. go to Aragorn, but Steve Rogers is the one that he brings back to <laughs> do all of the stuff that Gandalf did, even if he doesn't have the title and power. How does this play out in your head? Like, let's just say as soon as Gandalf and the Balrog fall right there on the other side of the bridge, boom, there's Steve Rogers now. Cause Luvatar decided that would be fun. <laughs> You know, it's it, I, as I thought more and more, I was like, you know, Steve Rogers might be the best fit out of a lot of Mar or at least Avengers. And most of my knowledge about the Avengers comes from the MCU. I almost know nothing about any of the comics. Um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but he, you know, he's assuming too, because we're, you know, just thinking about theologically and philosophically, Iluvatar outside of space and time, right? He's created multiple worlds. And so he's decided to take, uh, you know, Captain Rogers and put him in. And I would assume that Captain Rogers would then say, oh, uh, I am, uh, okay, that was God. And now I am tasked <laughs> by God to do this thing. And he's all about doing the right thing. So he would just go and organize and help where he could. And I think that's what I think. Yeah, I uh, I have a lot of fun with this part. So this is the part where the first thing I ever read was a Captain America comic. Oh, nice. So this is what we're like, you have Lord of the Rings stuff. So we're, we're able to match this a little bit. So what people forget about Steve Rogers, when he takes the um, when he takes the super soldier serum, it made him peak human in every way, including his mind. <laughs> that makes sense. Now, he's not a man of science, though. So his intellect is war tactics. He knows how to tactic. He knows how to lead. He understands people, how to organize things. In my mind, having someone like that enter the scene, especially like in that location, because he's just there. You have Gimli and Legless and them are just able to catch him up. What's going on? And he's like, he knows all of the things laid out before him. He sees the entire war since a lot of the Lord of the Rings battles and stuff mimic what happened in World War One. He's seen almost the same plays played out. So he's just like, OK, I know what we need to do here. <laughs> Yeah. And I think ironically, I think you see a lot less of him on the ground and a lot more of him going around and organizing things so that they can win strategically without even needing to worry about the other stuff. So I feel like it changes all of the format there out because he's literally the mastermind of war <laughs> and he's past World War One. So he's seen almost the same war happen. Yeah. So. And it's interesting too, because there's medieval, there's a lot of medieval tactics in there. And so obviously as he's evolved in war and a war tactician, he would bring some advantage. Uh, but so Gandalf, it takes that kind of general uh, position in Minas Tirith, you know, after Denethor kind of goes crazy. And so, yeah. and it's Gandalf who's organizing and making all these moves to defend Minas Tirith. And then he goes to fight the witch king so do you think that steve rogers has what it takes to assume that role because obviously i think like you said as a general he's got that you know but yeah. what about facing like the witch king uh, see it's interesting i think it depends what part of his timeline he came from okay you know early on when he's mostly just fought other soldiers and that kind of stuff he might struggle but I think if you're getting him after he's already fought some of like Dr. Strange bad guys and different stuff and he's kind of familiar with magic stuff, I think he might be able to hold his own. I feel like it might just depend what part in the timeline you pull him out of and maybe what he gets to bring with him. Because I feel like if he brings the shield, that's almost a little unfair because none of their weapons can do anything to that. I don't know. And for some reason, it defies physics. 
I, you know, part of it though, is that because some of the magic, like the witch King people have talked about, like the only person who probably could have taken the witch King is Gandalf because of the, just the inherent, like black, they call it the black speech and just how, or the black breath rather. And so there's this magical Mm -hmm. thing that basically it makes you sick from fear. And so I don't know if, uh, you know, besides his shield, if, uh, you think that, uh, let's say it's later, uh, Rogers and say that, would he have the constitution to face the black breath? See, uh, the thing is like, it's hard when you're dealing with magic because magic kind of defies some rules. So you got to figure out what rules are they defying? Yeah. It definitely depends who's writing. If you have like Ed Brubaker writing <laughs> this for some reason, then Captain America's awesome. He could do anything. Of course he's fine. <laughs> you know, like, but if you have actually Tolkien writing it for some reason, I don't know. I, I feel like it kind of depends because a lot of good writing, especially with Tolkien, it's more of like, what moral are we portraying here mm. than just necessarily the rules? And that's why I think magic played such a cool role because it's able to just do what's necessary to progress the story in the way that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, I think, see, the problem with Steve Rogers is he's just such a morally outstanding person. And there's been times in Marvel where he's faced different magic things that manipulate emotions and all that. And he's usually able to overcome because Basically, because I lived in World War Two, I lived in constant fear when I learned how to fight in the first place. Right. So I, I think I would lean towards that if I'm just going with like base rules. But I also could see where maybe we can get a better story if we let this fear take him. And then he has a new story arc that he needs to overcome because maybe this is funny because now I'm just getting for some reason I'm getting like like weirdly story dissecting kind of stuff but i feel like the writing the best writing of this i think would have him where he didn't know what to do because he's used to being able to block out fear and he's Mm. more of a fearless person because he's faced such great things right so rather than learning how to do stuff with fear maybe he's just learned how to block out fear but in this scenario he's not able to do that so now he has to learn how to operate while in more or less crippling fear yeah because yeah. the black that, breath that is like an illness, basically. It, it, it infects you type of a thing rather than yeah. just kind of as a an emotion that you're trying to work yeah. with your... Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Also, there is also the thing, though, of Captain America and Batman have some stuff in common, and that is going to be the whole... He has a backup plan for all of the things. So if mm. he's facing the Witch King, he also has you know, Radagast or whoever other... Wiz- the Blue Wizards and everybody else ready to swoop in, and he might even intentionally lose... <laughs> Because he's thought this all out three steps ahead where he's like, okay, if I can't win this, how do I lose in a way that allows someone else to win? Because that would be his play. Now, also, too, I'm thinking about him being equipped with his shield. And then because Gandalf comes back with, a, you know, the staff 2.02 and breaks Saruman's staff. So does does uh, does Captain America also get a staff to boost his <laughs> power? That's funny. Yeah. Like what, what is he equipped with? Does he get to bring his shield? Does he have a staff? Does he get to bring his pistol? Cause that could really be a game changer. In this yeah. scenario. Um, although he would only have so many bullets. That's true. Um, hmm. It'd be interesting. You know, I think guns <laughs> and you tell me after that, cause I think guns could be obviously effective, but I think he would have to be choosy about it, but more effective than I think not. And they do. I the feel reason, like, yeah. Yeah, see, I feel like against like orcs and stuff, it might be like trying to shoot zombies, mm. basically, maybe similar rules to that. But once he's fighting like Saruman for some reason, I could see, oh, just shot him in the head. Match over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, I could see that. Just and we just classic Indiana Jones moment there. Yeah, God, that would be so fun. <laughs> but like, also, I don't feel like Saruman's going to get caught red handed like that so easily. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, I, I think gun could trip trip up those that are basically human or like elf maybe. But I feel like a lot of your goblin and orcs that you see or they have like, which this is me going off the movie, I guess. But you see them like getting their arms and stuff cut off or their head and they're still talking. So it's kind of like, I feel like bullets might blow their arm off and they just keep going. <laughs> like, yeah, 
Yeah, I think for the bigger ones, like obviously on trolls, not so much. And of course, if you were facing yeah. Sauron, which no one really does, um, in in that part of the story, like you're you're gonna shoot, you're gonna waste all your bullets shooting Sauron, and nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Now I am interested if they tell him about the ring. Does that change anything? Does does Steve Rogers try to get the ring himself? Does he reorganize the war? And he's like, okay, let's make sure like nothing happens near this ring. Now I'm thinking of civil war here in the MCU and how I feel like that based on that version and that timeline of him that he would say no. But now if we're talking about the collaboration, like Boromir wanted to use the ring and use it with Minas Tirith and rally men to them to fight. Would that be something that that Captain America would do? Mm. See, I don't know. I, I see. I tend to think I th- this is funny. This is one of those distinctions I would make between Cap and Spider-Man. They both have incredible willpower, but differently. Mm. Like, I feel like Peter Parker might be the kind of person who's able to have the ring, have the temptation and push through. I feel like Captain America's willpower more is making the right decisions in the first place. So I feel like he would have never even gone near the ring. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he would just be like, okay, well, I'm not going to put myself in that situation at all. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like what's funny is because he's like brand new to all of this, it, it would be a little bit challenging, but I feel like he'd want to have the people most likely to resist somehow protecting Sam and Frodo. Mm. So he might even create a new fellowship to kind of follow behind them. <laughs> I could see the new fellowship, him organizing that. And that would be its own like comic book run after the fact of like the new fellowship. <laughs> I mean, they're they're talking yeah. about remaking the Lord of the Rings movie that's already happening. So yeah, they should like, call it the new fellowship. <laughs> that's right. The new fellowship. Get Captain Rogers yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And now I do think a lot of this changes a lot, too. If when he comes into this, we're going to we're going to ask this after the episode. I'm teasing people. If you subscribe on Captivate, you can hear our answers to this. But if the time they pull Captain Rogers in is the same time that he touches the cube when he gets trapped at the end of World War II, that would change everything because in comic book world, he gets frozen or trapped with Red Skull. So when they come back, they always come back together. So then you would have this question of, if what happened was instead of a Luvatar picking them out, they touched the space stone and it tr- put them into a different dimension. That would then mean Red Skull and Captain Rogers are both here. And I think that, that changes a lot because Red Skull is also a master war technician and he's not wanting the best things to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's just a teaser. It's a teaser. We'll that's come back one. to that. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to answer that one. But as far as like Steve Rogers himself and, you know, we talked about Spider-Man and Captain Rogers both having like different kinds of willpower. When we're talking about the ring. We talked about like the reason Gandalf works when he gets the new title and all of that. Why it would have to be Aragorn. Why couldn't it be other people? We even questioned if Gimli would have the willpower to not just stay in rule. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you get to and all. I feel like all of Middle Earth stories kind of wrap around who who is the goodest, you know, who has that goodness that allows them to either to resist the ring or to help this side, or who's going to be tempted like Saruman, who was one of the good Maya and turned because he thinks he can take the power from Sauron. And he's kind of went to the dark side in that way. <laughs> now I'm throwing in star Wars. We already have enough geekdoms here, but whatever. <laughs> I, I just kind of wonder like, how do we know, if you have that goodness of like a Steve Rogers or a Gandalf who's able to come in, do the right decisions, not only because of the war tactics and able to fight the Witch King, but also because they're just genuinely good. That's mm-hmm. why those kind of characters are able to do a lot of this. Really, yes, the war tactician helps. Yes, the power and title from Luvatar himself. It's a huge role. Like it couldn't happen without that stuff. But also if those had been given to the wrong person or the wrong person came in, they're just going to want the ring. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be thinking about the big picture necessarily. They're going to be thinking about who has power right now and how can I get power, which is what we see happen at Saruman. So I guess my question is, how do we know 
am I more like Saruman, where in the right situation I would turn because I desire power? Or am I more like Gandalf and Steve Rogers, able to do the right thing because I value the good more than the power? Man, I think it's it's tough because I think there's I think there's an in between, and I think like I to go back to Boromir that Boromir, like in the Boromir in the movies is different than the books because in the in the movies, Shambi does a great job of looking like he already looks like an addict, right? He's like he covets the ring immediately. He looks like he's ready to shoot up some one ring power, you know. <laughs> and he, but in the books, he really, quote. yeah. So let's uh, go back and shoot up the one ring. And, uh, <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm going to talk to somebody about making that a thing. Uh, but <laughs> put it on t shirt. Yeah. Uh, Boromir, you know, in the books, he really thinks it's the right move and he's like really confused about destroying this thing because he thinks uh-huh. that it's like, okay, we could use this to like bring people together to fight this thing and Gandalf's like, no, like it'll corrupt you. And he's like, that makes no sense. He's like, we can use it as a rallying (laughs) point, you know, and he just doesn't get it. And obviously he, the thing, you know, anyway, so thinking about that, like, and I just don't know, is there any gray, gray area moments like that for Steve Rogers, like Boromir? Because there's ever been a time where Steve Rogers has been like, okay, I have to, Basically, either he thinks it's the right thing to do and it's not, or he compromises to, you know, achieve some greater good. Man, so you, you brought up the whole thing. <laughs> so I'm going to answer that, and then I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Okay. Um, first, I think not, because Steve Rogers' issues when it comes to like that kind of stuff, almost, which is part of why I love him, just from my own background where I came from. A lot of his issues, especially if you read through the Ed Brubaker run, which... I maintain is the best comic book run of all time, but he Steve Rogers issues is more not letting himself do stuff, being too dogmatic, you know, and and that was a big thing for me of like, it was so hard for Steve Rogers to move on from Peggy. You know, you Mm. don't see that in the movies because he's able to go back. Right. But like in comics, you know, they obviously don't want to do that. They want to keep Captain America around forever. So he does have to move on. He does have to, you know, date again. He has to figure out what is okay and what's not okay. You know, he comes from this time where swear words are bad, you know, you can't flirt with somebody in certain circles, like all this stuff. And now he's learning, okay, with my context changes, how much does that change what I'm allowed and not allowed to do basically, you know, because he's still wants to be the upright moral person, but now he's learning, oh, maybe not swearing has nothing to do with morals at all. (laughs) You know, like you see that kind of in the movie. Right. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff I feel like he deals with more. So I feel like he'd be if he was going to fault, it would be from trying too hard to keep people away from the ring mm. when maybe he'd be the best person to protect it. Right. You know, I could see like that's where I think his fault would be more than being tempted with it. But I want to backtrack to this gray line. And yes, of course, I have to slam Iron Man. I don't like Iron Man. I think. <laughs> Sorry. I think Tony Stark would have a real hard time because oh, I no could doubt. see him being in this situation going, wait a minute, we could hook that up, fuel, you know, we could fuel an army of <laughs> robot soldiers with the power of the one ring, you know, whatever, you know, whatever right. science thing he's able to make up because he will find a way that the magic does operate on some rules. So he's able to figure out science in a way that it would like cause the power to shoot everybody up with the power of the one ring something you know he would find a way to do that totally and that would be he i could see him immediately being obsessed once he hears of that kind of power going well we could not only save this universe but all the universes now that i know that multi-dimensional stuff's a thing (laughs) and that's where he would go and as much as i don't like tony stark it's not out of a bad place it's out of a i want to save everybody place you know it kind of gives me he would it almost be like a scarlet witch type of scenario where that would be what it eventually turns into from Dr. Strange. Because, I mean, she seeks the book to, I mean, it's for her children, right? To basically be with, you know, her children. Yeah. And so it's, it's this thing that by itself, you're like, this isn't not noble, but, and it's also an object of power that ends up corrupting her and all that stuff. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Tony Stark, I could see that definitely happening with the one ring. Yeah, which is one of the big differences between Tony Stark and um, Doctor Strange. 
not to get on a whole Marvel side tangent, but I love it. That's one of the big things. Like they were both men of science, but just given their personalities, if the same thing happened to Tony Stark, a he would have just built some kind of robot to replace his hands. But also, <laughs> him with magic wouldn't be good. Yeah, and it's it's not because he's a bad guy. It's just because he's almost overly ambitious. Yeah. Which, hey, while we're just throwing in other geekdoms, that's also the thing with a lot of Slytherins. They're not all bad. Some of them just get overly ambitious. Right. And that's where, like, ambition can be a good thing. It can also be terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, Which, and it's like you said, it's not even looked for kind of the same. It's it's the because even in Tolkien, like the good intentioned are not always rewarded, right? It's that classic, the hell, road to hell is paved with good intentions. But it's true in Tolkien, just like in every most places. But like you said, it would be even people who are well-intended to even not be powerful, but to be like, oh, we should rally. This will be a cooperative thing that will bring us together. And then by then you're, you know, a frog cooked in a in a pot, you know? Yeah, yeah. And honestly, we're probably all more... <laughs> also, I love that. I love frog in the pot, but like, I feel like we're all probably more in that gray area. You know, I feel like oh, most no of doubt. us aren't either Gandalf or Sauron. Most of us are somewhere in the middle of Boromir, you know, Tony Stark. We're more like those guys. Usually mm-hmm. <laughs> those are like the more realistic versions of who we are. All of us might want to think that we're Captain America. Probably not, though. <laughs> um, do you think Saruman was he well-intended or was it just purely power? So I think from what I remember from what happened with Saruman was that he originally went to investigate Sauron's ring craft and how he was able to craft the one ring. And there's some, I can't remember if it's like if Tolkien wrote it in a letter or if it's in some of his it's some of the volumes of the history of middle earth or something that he, there's a line that specifically says like, as soon as you start studying the ways of the enemy, that's when the ways of the enemy starts to basically take its toll on you and starts influencing you uh, without your knowing. And I think that's what happened with Saruman. He was like, Oh, if I just learned this ring craft, I can take on this guy. And it eventually became a pride thing. And basically exactly what would happen to Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because I can Tony, which especially if you watch the movies, it really is. I want to protect all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty ironic. Not going to go there too far. But um, if you think about it, like politically, really what Tony Stark tries to do is be overly conservative. And in that kind of scenario, Steve Rogers is actually the liberal one because he's the one that's thinking no, we don't need to protect people. We need to let people be people. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like we don't need to get the one ring to protect us all. We need to destroy it so that we're all able to live our lives as ourselves, which um, not to end this really preachy, but that's sort of like my favorite Bible verses are all like the freedom verses. Like you don't see that Jesus died so that we can all obey better rules. Like that's not the verse. I mean, you go to Galatians 5.1, it's he set us free. He died so that we can be free and those who are free are free indeed, you know, and it's uh, therefore don't make yourself a slave again to the law or to sin. Mm-hmm. And you can be a slave to both. You can be a slave to the ring, you know, obsessed with power, let it corrupt you. Or you could be like what I'm warning that Steve Rogers could do. Get so dogmatic that you're unable to protect what you need to protect or to make the right choices because you've set up all these rules that no one actually wants you to follow or expects you to. And they're preventing you from doing the best thing. Yeah. 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 There's, it's a, I can't remember if there's a philosophical difference between them. It's like you, I think Tony Stark is the utilitarian and what's the other one? Oh man, don't put me on the spot like that. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Oh, and Dion, deontology is basically what Captain Rogers is to basically let people be people. We need to do Mm -hmm. good on behalf of like, I'm going to save this child, even if it means that other people will die without my involvement. And obviously Tony Stark is the, like you said, maybe a more conservative of like, no, we need to establish society to save all these people to let this unborn, you know, this baby die or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, basically yeah i think <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like yeah it's funny because i'm even thinking like 
it's just so interesting. This is this will be my last note before we start doing wrap up stuff, because even like Steve Rogers, I think, yes, everybody's freedom. Everybody be themselves. I think because of that mindset, too, though, of almost like a more of a libertarian kind of mindset. Right. He might really struggle at first with this idea that goblins and orcs are bad guys because in his, you know, where he's coming from, he's like, are y'all just racist? <laughs> like, you know, that's probably his first thought. <laughs> It's like, no, 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 they're actually made evil. <laughs> we have to go through the history of how they were once elves, some of them, and we don't know how the other ones came about. And some of them Saruman made, but they're actually evil. We're not racist. <laughs> he needs to get into yeah. the Rings of Power universe and hang out with Adar, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. I think I think Steve would enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Did you have any other final notes before we do the wrap up and our last question for the Captivate people? I just I think that this is such a cool what if man like I think Captain Rogers out of all the MCU people (laughs) sorry and besides Marvel I think he would be the one who could fit Gandalf's shoes but yeah me too me too which is why I thought these two what ifs went together really well 100% you know what actually yeah we'll combine these awesome man well in that case well let's go ahead jump to our wrap up remember if you want to hear that last question at the end you can subscribe on Captivate we will be doing one last question there. Of course, also rate and review the show on Podchaser or wherever you're listening. Helps us a lot. Nick, before we go, do you have a recommendation for people? Comics, games, books, anything like that? You know, just the same. Um, it's just beef. I'm a big Stephen Yoon fan. Uh, and Ali Wong has become a recent um, person that I have interest for me as far as celebrities go. Um, and it's just it's just worth it it's easy easy to go through it's excellent yeah and if you guys aren't following us on youtube then you might not have heard me on comic book ketchup mention my recommendation check out ninja sore by jason horn it is absolutely goofy it's just what if there was a ninja that was a anthropomorphic dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> i'm going and to check just, it out We'll see. What, what did I call it earlier? It's basically Deadpool, but for kids. Nice. <laughs> it's great. It's so funny. It's silly. Great fun. So make sure you check that out. Of course, if you want to talk to us about Ninja War or Gandalf or Steve Rogers, you can go head over to our Discord page. Let us know all about it. And remember, one very important thing. We're all the chosen people. A geekdom of priests. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.